Thank you, Chris. Morning, everyone. It's great to see you all. Um, I've um, I've hurt my back this week, so I'm, I might have to take a seat at some point. But um, I'll bring I'll bring it up here. So well, um, but uh, uh huh. Um, we're going to um, we're going to continue on in our uh, life rhythms series. Um, it's good to um, it's been good to do this over the last uh, the last month or so. Um, we're going to fin- uh, well, I'll explain as we go along. We're going to kind of finish off like a four part series um, today, but kind of culminate that all next Sunday, which I'll explain as we as we go through. Um, let me do a quick recap if you're new with us or you haven't been here for the Sundays in January, just so you can get into the flow of what we're talking about today. Um, the headline is, <laughs> which you might expect when you come to church, is we want to be like we want to be like Jesus. Uh, but we often say that very easily, don't we? And um, wonder what we totally really mean like uh, uh, when we say that. And um, I guess um, we have come to realize that Jesus gives us a vision, not just for Christianity actually, but for humanity. That we believe that Jesus came as the ultimate kind of human being to show us what it is to be human because he was fully human while being also fully God and um, and so we think that Jesus gave the world and each one of us as image bearers of of God a vision for humanity that is that is beautiful that that we would flourish Um, and the thing that we have discovered about Jesus is that he did this in a way that was emotionally spiritually mentally healthy for the fact Jesus came to change the world, he had a very strong mission, a very clear focus. You could even say Jesus was busy, if you like, in terms of he was busy about his work. It wasn't like he was idle. But he seemed to do it in a way that wasn't like stressed out. He seemed to do it in a way that he wasn't burnt out. Um, and if you have like kind of the, like almost literally the weight of your world in this, on your shoulders in, in the right sense of the world, and you're, you're able to do that while being fully human... There's got to be some stuff for us to to learn, particularly in today's kind of context where there's all sorts of difficulty around this stuff. And Jesus actually came not just to show us that, but to invite us into it. He wanted us to participate in it. He said that I have life in all its fullness. And when he said that, I don't believe he just meant some kind of spiritual, kind of ethereal kind of place that you live in, that you get enlightened. I think he meant actual life in all its fullness in every part of life on this earth and in the life to come. Um, he came offering us rest. If you want rest, come on to me. Or we use that Eugene Peterson refrain, unforced rhythms of grace. And so we've been asking the question, how can we follow Jesus in this? And what we've discovered is that Jesus had certain practices, rhythms, and routines in his life that actually helped shape who he was becoming and understanding himself to be. And we want to follow in those ways as well. And, uh, and so we have identified on the screen four particular areas of Jesus' life that uh, we want to kind of work on. And we've been spending uh, uh, a week each in each of these quadrants, and we're on the bottom right one there, as you, you look at it today, rest and, and health this morning. And so um, we, we've been very clear that we've been getting super practical with this. And as we've taught a little bit about Jesus, we've been saying, what does each of these quadrants look in your life? Like, like really practically, what does a life of prayer look like? What does, who, who, who are the key relationships 
in, uh, in, in your life? What, does, what is your holy ambitions around work and how do you want to overflow a mission this year? And finally, we're going to look at rest today and get really practical. But just to give for a second recap really quickly. So the first and the first quadrant around prayer and abiding, we were asking this question, what are the spiritual disciplines you need to integrate into your life to anchor your soul in the love of God? That was the key question on the first morning. And I, um, I give you some, uh, some of mine. Um, and, then, and then the next question, we, we looked at family and relationships. And the key question there was, what core relationships do you need in this season of life to support you on a journey into Christlikeness? In other words, who, who, what do you need to like intentionally have in your life in terms of relationships and commitments? And again, give you um, some of mine. Um, just trying to get really, really practical about, um, because there's so many hours in the day, don't we? And uh, making sure that um, if you don't kind of order your life, then life just happens and not necessarily the way you want it to. And then finally, Chris, Chris took us um, through last week the whole key question of what are the gifts, passions, and burdens within you that God wants you to express for the blessing of others? So how can you overflow in a life of work and mission? And how, as Chris taught last week, how can you have holy ambition to do your work really excellently and be a witness? And also how do you create space in your life for the different spheres of influence you find yourself in, whether it's like being a football kind of dad or whether it's being, you know, um, uh, you know, you're and, and integrating your life with your neighbors and all of that. And so we had that. I, I, I just put my, my own up because if I put Chris's up, then that would be weird. All right. So those are some, those are some, but he showed us his last week. And these are, these are some of mine. I can talk you through them in more detail if you'd like at some point. And, and so today the key question as we finish this all off is what are the practices of self-care you need to care for your body and nurture your soul into Christ-likeness? So we're going to talk about this final quadrant, right? Um, what does it mean and what does it look like to, 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 to have a healthy life? Which, and so it's really good to finish in this because it, maybe you're starting to get slightly overwhelmed with the other three. Like There's maybe a lot that's going into those. But the reality is this all has to be done out of a place of rest and, and health. And you know, keep, keep the picture of Jesus in your mind as we go through this. That Jesus just was good, good fun to be around. Like, Jesus, if you'd ask Jesus, you know the way we love to say, how are you getting on? How's life? Yeah, busy. Yeah, busy. I, I don't know if Jesus would have said that. He, he might have said it the odd day. I don't know. I was, like, full on today, yeah. Like, there's a lot of people that were looking at me today, yeah. But I don't know if all the time he'd been like, oh, busy, I'm stressed out, on the edge, can't wait for a holiday. I'm, I'm not sure if Jesus, that would have been his default response because, not because he wasn't busy, because he, he was, he, you know, not because he didn't have a lot of responsibility, like we know that he did, but he managed to do it in some kind of way that was emotionally healthy and spiritually healthy and mentally healthy. And that's not to say he, he didn't struggle, by the way, that's the beautiful thing about the Gospels, it gives us a... Jesus and all the difficulty of life and the, the writer of Hebrews, isn't it, tells us that he was tempted in all ways that we are. So he experienced everything we did, but he, he just, he, 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 um, he modeled something that we, I think, should be able to learn from and model. And so this morning, I want to go into this a little bit more, um, thinking about how, how there were certain rhythms to Jesus's life that we too can think about if we want to live out of a place of rest. Before I look a wee bit more at Jesus, I want to just widen out just from Jesus to the whole biblical story and help you understand how the principle of rest and the principle of Sabbath is kind of built into the very fabric of the world and of creation itself. Okay, so just a couple of minutes on that and then we'll, we'll get back to looking at how Jesus did this and then we'll finish with really looking at the application of it for our own lives.
Right, so God, God created the heavens and the earth, we know that. And part of the seven-day creation was that he, he, um, he worked for six days, and then he, he took a day off, right? God had a day off. This is what it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. What's really interesting about this, I'm not going to read the whole passage for time's sake, but if you were to read the creation story, you would actually find, for those of you who are really into your English literature, right, which I wasn't, but somehow managed to get an A on, which I still think was a mistake, right? But anyway, it was my worst subject. Anyway, I feel like I'm boasting. I didn't get loads of A's, right? But I did. I got one there, right? But, and I didn't even really like it. But anyway, if you're in the English literature, you would notice, because most of the scripture are literary pieces of, like, ma- masterpieces, okay? And if you were to read Genesis 1, you would see that every day when God created um, different things on the earth, there's, like, a repetition in the literature. So it says, if you know it, uh, on, on day one, God created heavens and the earth, and there was morning and there was evening the first day, and God saw that it was good, okay? If, you know, you remember that if you've read it. It says the same thing on day two, the same thing on day three, the same thing on day four, the same thing on day five, the same thing on day six, and then it says, it doesn't say that in day seven, right? So there's an actual break there's an actual break in the literature, okay? So it's basically trying to tell us that something has changed, something is different about this day. And you need to bear that in mind. God wants us to know. God wants us to know that there's been a specific break in the literature. And that the Sabbath is like a circuit breaker of the literature, the literary kind of rhythm that we see throughout the scripture. So for six days, God created the heavens and the earth, and in the seventh day, he has a day off. It's like God had introduced right at the very beginning, like a sacred equilibrium into the system to say there needs to be a break here. And it's built into the very fabric of creation. And if we're created in God's image, it's actually built into humanity as well. The word Sabbath means um, in uh, in the Hebrew, it's the word Shabbat, which means to stop. I think I have it here. Yeah, to stop. And so the principle of creation is built right into the very, uh, the very fabric of creation. Could you imagine, like, God just having a day off with his kids? Like, after he created everything and he creates mankind, he just, just like a dad who wants to spend it. Like, the God who doesn't need to rest chose to rest. And think about the fact that, you know, like a dad who wants just to have a day off with his kids. God wants a day off to, because it's holy and because he wants to be with his people. And so once we start to get an understanding of what this is all about, we start to realize the holiness of it, which hopefully will become more clear as we go through. It's a place for us to be restored in our souls, and it's a place to be restoried in the story of God. Walter Brueggemann says this, People who, live, people who keep Sabbath live all seven days differently. 
how, and basically what he's getting at is if you can start to get an understanding of how central this is to the very system of how the world works and the very fabric of creation, then we actually start to live every other day differently. So what we're going to learn is Sabbath becomes not like the thing that you just look forward to at the end of the week, the kind of crash, <laughs> which you can certainly use it for, but it actually becomes part of a principle of your life that you live from. It's not the thing that you just live to in order to, to, to um, recover in. It's the place that you live from, a place of rest that you can do the other six days of the week or whatever it might be from. And so Sabbath was built into the very fabric of creation. Right, so we see that at the very start. Fast forward to Exodus. So God, years and years later, after his people have been in bondage and slavery in uh, Exodus, he delivers them from Exodus. He brings them into the promise. Well, at this point, they're not in the promised land. They're in the wilderness. And God's looking to make them a people that will inhabit the wilderness. And so he's trying to form them into a holy people, these slaves that have been liberated. And as he speaks to them from Mount Sinai and he gives them the Ten Commandments, one of the commandments is this. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor daughter nor your male or female servant nor your animals nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Right. So think hundreds of years later after creation, Right, God is saying this to the people that he wants to represent him well. And so there we have it. Now think about this for a moment. Up there beside the do not murder, don't covet, don't steal somebody's like spouse, like don't, like, oh, don't have any idols, up, up alongside all those commandments is have a day off. When, when you think about like the level where that goes, it's like pretty high bar. Right? So all these big commandments about how humanity is going to work. And right in the middle of it, I think it's maybe the fifth commandment, or the fourth or fifth or sixth. It's like, don't, don't work all the time. <laughs> Have a day off. Because it's holy. Because God says, this is what I did. I had a day off. It's a holy thing to do. You want to be like me, you need to have a Sabbath. You need to learn how to have a Sabbath. So we could say that this particular reason is imitation. Right? So remember that word. God wants us to be like him. It's a holy day. So therefore learn how to have a break. Because that's holy. Be like me. Imitate me. Okay? Fast forward another 38, 39 years, right? And we're in Deuteronomy. Now Deuteronomy, as, we, as you'll remember, of course you'll remember because of the series on it last summer, that the word Deuteronomy means second law, right? So it's basically for the younger generation. So you know, the well, if you don't know the story, really quickly, the people that first came out of Egypt, they got delivered. That was great, but they were like moaners and groaners and whiners and all of that. And God's like, I can't really work with them. They're going to have to like die out. Their sons and daughters are going to be the ones that are going to inherit the promised land. So they wander around the desert until that happens, and 38, 39 years later, they're just about to enter into this new generation, into the promised land, and they're going to be led in by Joshua, not Moses. But before Moses dies, he says, I'm going to give them the best preach I have in me. And so he stands up on Mount Sinai again or whatever, and he starts to preach basically the commandments again. 
right? So what we read in Exodus, Moses is kind of rehashing that, if you like, and he's giving up with gusto, and he then says loads of things, and one of them is this. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. So you're just about to go in and seize your inheritance. Make sure that you remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. As the Lord your God has commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not work, neither you, nor your son, nor daughter, nor any of your male or female servants, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your town, so that your male and female servants may rest even as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Now, what I want you to notice in this is Moses wants the children of Israel again, the new generation, to respect and honor the Sabbath day. But I don't know if you've noticed, but the reason in Deuteronomy is slightly different than the reason in Exodus. The reason in Exodus was just purely was, I rested, and it's a holy day, so I want you to rest. In this particular example in uh, Deuteronomy, God is saying, you were slaves, and now I want you to remember that you need to have a Sabbath day so that all the people that are part of your like network, even your very animals, they need to have a day off as well. So there's like a social justice element that comes in to the Sabbath. It's to release people from the slavery, slavery of work. Sabbath isn't important just for you. Sabbath is important for everybody else around you. It's not just important for you to get a break. It's important for everybody else to get one as well. It's important for you to release the heavy expectation that you put on one another to work, work, work. It's important that you release each other from that in order that you can become not slaves to your work, but that you can become sons and daughters because that is going to damage your souls. And so that's why it says, on it you shall not work, neither you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, right? It's like you're, even, the, even the good old donkey gets a day off, right? That's what, that's what this is saying. It's like, it's like introducing something into the way the world should work, that we kind of release one another from feeling that we need to serve one another in, in, a, in a kind of work way. But and that would, be, that would be good. That would be good not just for us as human beings. That would actually be good for the land. Imagine like we didn't like, you know, toil the land every single moment of every single day. Imagine we left it to replenish itself. Imagine we give the animals a day off. It would just be good for creation. And so um, a guy called um, Rich Viliotis, he says this. In Exodus 20, the reason for Sabbath is imitation. In other words, be like God. And the reason in Deuteronomy is liberation. Liberate, free one another from the, the sort of slavery and the tyranny of work. And as the biblical narrative unfolds, it becomes more apparent. Because that sounds to me like loving God and loving one another. That sounds to me like what Jesus will come to fulfill. That all the law is fulfilled in love God and be like him and think about one another. And so when we think about rest and the Sabbath... It's a very central kind of core thing, and something as I'm going to tell you in a moment that I've had to learn the hard way. But Sabbath becomes for many people not the thing that you work 
Not the thing that you use just to recover at the end of the week. Now, if you come into our house on a Friday night, that's exactly what it will look like, right? Just like, you know, spread out on sofas, fire lit, you know, trying to have a conversation, but not finishing it because the other person's... Uh, so I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Of course, that's what it's supposed to be used. Like. But if, if we begin to think about Sabbath as the place that we live from, not try to get to to recover, then it takes on what I have found, it takes on a whole new meaning because you live out of a place of rest, not out of a place of striving. Um, and that's something that I'm still working on, I have to be honest. But what I try to do is in, on, on Sabbath is to try and store up rest, but store up also beauty. It's something I've learned from other people. Fill my life with things that are beautiful, like going for a walk or watching a good movie or doing something with my kids because the world is not that beautiful the other days of the week. It's desecrated, it's broken and all. And I need to replenish what I fix my eyes on. And worship and prayer is obviously part of that as well then. So we can live from that place. Rest becomes the prequel of the week and not the sequel. Right? And if you can start if you can start thinking like that, it's a helpful little mindset, I think. And so what had happened in Jesus' time Sabbath had become like a rigid system. You've all heard those stories of our mums and our grannies and granddads. They were like, like, you know, the, if, it, the, if the clock struck midnight on Sunday night, you know what I mean? They stopped and they were cleaning your shoes and you only got through one, then they stopped. And like that, there was, a, there was an honor that they had for the Sabbath that was re- really, really beautiful. I went to the Hebrides last year and it happened to be on a Sunday and nobody told me on the whole island of the Hebrides that literally everything stops apart from one shop. And we were staying in an Airbnb, so we had no food. So literally went to the filling station on the Sunday morning, filled it with all the junk that we could find, which was crisps and biscuits and things, just to like get us through, because everything stopped on the whole island. And while it was slightly weird, it was a, there was a kind of awe about it as well, you know, just like rest, stop, imitate God, liberate each other, right? And, 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 and so what, I, what I'd love us to think about and what I'd love to think about applying to your own, our own lives, how do we not allow Sabbath to become like a rigid system that we think we have to do because um, if we like, you know, get out of line, like God's going to get us back or something like that. But rather, as Jesus, I'll put the verse up in a minute, as Jesus showed us, you know, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, that this was a gift that God had given us to order our lives in and around. And so that's um, this guy, Rich, Rich, I call him Rich. Just he 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 says it like this: Sabbath is a literal twenty-four hour period without anxieties, have-tos, or shoulds, which over time results in deep rest and renewal. Sabbath is a literal twenty-four hour period without anxieties, have-tos, or shoulds, which over time results in deep rest or renewal. So it's not a metaphor. It's not allegorical. I think it, I think it, I think he's right when he says it's literal. And this is, gonna, this is gonna be hard for some of us to hear. If you can't stop your work for 24 hours, then you're a slave to it. That, that's hard to hear, it's hard, and it's hard for me to hear, but I had to hear it once or twice in my life. And it doesn't matter how much you love it, you could still love it, but you'd still be a slave to it. I remember when I was about late 20s, it's obviously a difficult time in my life, so all of that was going on as well. But I was also just like working, working, working. 
and um, feeling like I was going to change the world, and if I stopped, that then the world wouldn't be changed. And I remember going to see, um, it was Andrea Wigglesworth, actually, and she said to me, Alan, I'm, I'm telling you, it's not because I'm trying to, like, um, reduce your high level of capacity to want to do stuff. I want to release that in you. That's who you are. That's part of your personality. She goes, once a week, you're built, even chemically now, they've told us, for the you know, for the things in your brain, serotonin and other kind of chemicals in your brain to be replenished once a week. So you may well be one of those people that kind of go like that and like, you know, you're, you're kind of going for it every day, like trying to knock it out of the park. You know, try, but that's fine. But once a week, you're built to go like that. And she did this like with her hand. And then you can go again. And then you do that. And then you can go again. She says, the problem is you've been going like that without doing that for far too long that now you're actually chemically depleted, which is why your brain's going haywire, which is why you can't control your thoughts anymore because you, you're not functioning properly anymore. And it, was, it was hard to hear, but I've never forgotten it because it was what I needed to hear because I, I, I'd, um, if, if I wanted to be like really kind of like blunt about it, in some ways I disobeyed God. Because I was asking, and then, but then the thing was, I was running into every meeting going, God, would you help me? Would you help me? <laughs> no, God, would you help me speak here? Would you help me do this? Would you help me? And it felt like this whisper from the Lord saying, you know, son, I, I love you. I'm going to help you. But you're asking me to do stuff for you that you, I never built you to be able to do. And so I had to, had to come into a, a fresh understanding of how, how to do this. And I'm still learning that. Okay. And so then Jesus comes along and he kind of fulfills all this. And Jesus did a few things on the Sabbath. Let me, let me read these three. He came to Nazareth when he had been, where he had been brought up. As it was custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath. Jesus went to church on the Sabbath. There you go. It's a good thing if your Sabbath is a Sunday to come to church. Jesus reminded the Pharisees when they tried to like pin him because like he was like eating something on the Sabbath or whatever or doing something that was against their custom. He said, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. This is, a, this is supposed to be a gift to you, not something that you're to expose each other in and through. And then, and then um, Jesus was more than happy. I suppose here's an example of, of, of Jesus resting. That, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side, leaving the crowd behind. They took him along just as he was in the boat. And there were other boats with him. A furious squall or storm came up and the waves broke over the boat. So it was nearly swamped. <laughs> this is just hilarious, isn't it? Jesus was there in the stern sleeping on a cushion, right? So like this, like they're all in the midst of this massive storm. And Jesus like, now's the prime time just to have a kip. Yeah, you know, and Jesus is just lying, sleeping. And you imagine when he gets up, he's not going to read the rest, and he rebukes the storm. You sort of get the impression he just went back to sleep again, don't you? Or something like that probably went on. And, and so Jesus is very, very comfortable with the idea and the thought of sometimes, you know, you just, you just need, a, you need a rest, and you need to build that into your life. Jesus didn't always drive his disciples. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that he, they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So Jesus just didn't practice Sabbath and rest because he wanted to be like his father. He also didn't want to drive his disciples into the place of exhaustion. 
It was both imitation and liberation. Jesus didn't actually even really have a staff team. He had friends. <laughs> and he didn't want to overwork them. And he wanted to practice and lead them into this. And, um, but just to keep it real, this helps me. I thought I'd just throw this in for free, just to, just to keep it real. Sometimes, even when you try to do it, it doesn't always work out. Right? Jesus left that place and went into the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did, what not want, did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. Right? Some, do you ever try that? Do you ever try to get away from everyone in the house? And it just doesn't work, you know? Anybody's kids even try to follow them into the toilet sometimes. It's like, would you go away and leave me alone? I just want a moment on, on my own, right? It's just like, sometimes it's just difficult. It doesn't always work out. Sure it doesn't. But, but we, have to, we have to try and build these principles into our life if we're going to be like Jesus and live like Jesus. And ultimately, this is what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to come unto me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus wants to give us rest. He wants us to live in and out of his rest. He wants us to stop living our lives overworked, striving for acceptance, striving for popularity, overworking to prove ourselves, overworking to feel like a sense of satisfaction that, you know, other things can't give us. He wants us to learn that we and the world is still going to cope completely fine if you take a 24-hour break. But if you don't think it is, and it will, then you've most likely become a slave to it. And Jesus wants to release us from that so that we can live into his rest. And right throughout scriptures, near, near the end of the scriptures in Hebrews, it tells us, therefore, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish following their example of disobedience. So as we try to apply this just for the last five minutes or so, as we come to application this morning, I want to argue that Sabbath is arguably one of the hardest spiritual disciplines in our culture for us to try and integrate into our lives. See this scripture here? Look what it says. Make every effort. And that line, line before the bottom line. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. What I have found, you have to work hard to rest in our culture. You have to work. So in other words, it doesn't just happen. You have to plan it. Because if you don't plan it, you'll not do it. And that's why we're trying to get super, super practical in this course. Brueggemann again says that Sabbath is like a form of resistance to the way the world operates. Sabbath is our weapon of resistance against the disease of consumerism which seeks to kill our souls, right? It doesn't sound like it. Sabbath just sounds like a nice wee namby-pamby kind of like put your feet up and that's it. We actually have to fight for this in a world that is just driving us Work more, buy more, be other places, do other things, impress more people, buy and these that, That's just driven through softly and hardly through all the marketing and publicity in our world. And, and somehow, sometimes we just need to like imitate God and liberate others by practicing Sabbath. And, uh, and that's going to cost some of us. <laughs> but if I can say this with all the gentleness in the world, it, if it costs you to practice Sabbath, it's much more beneficial than the cost it will be to you and others around you if you don't. Because people that go over the edge usually, in terms of mentally and burnout and all of it, it takes a long while to come back. It's not usually like a, a week fix. 
or a few meds and that's it sorted out. Something that gets damaged inside our souls, our minds and our bodies because we're pushing it in ways that God never designed it to be pushed. And, um, and, and so I, I just want to encourage you to really think about this. So to finish with basically, here, here's what I try to do for Sabbath. My Sabbath is usually, um, I get a little bit of time on a Sunday afternoon, which is nice with my family, but because everything's so busy with church, Sunday generally doesn't really feel like Sabbath for me. Um, but it doesn't mean like I just treat everything like work. I'd be here if I wasn't working. But I, I try to take a proper, my 24-hour period, if you like, is from a Friday when the kids get out of school to like a Saturday around about tea time. And then I'm usually after tea time up into the study or whatever again, kind of getting ready for a Sunday, right? But Friday, Friday afternoon, the Saturday afternoon is, is when I try to think of it. So what I try to do is I try to turn my computer off at that point. I try to think coming up, that is there any emails that are going to play in my mind if I don't get them replied to or responded to? So I'll try and do that there. Then I try to initiate Sabbath somehow. Now, I don't do that every week, but it's a th- what I try to do. So I try to go and do something that helps me change state. So I'll either go for a run, do some exercise, maybe go out for a coffee with the family. Sometimes I'll just go and change my clothes. It sounds ridiculous. Or I'll go and put my slippers on. That's a good one, right? Just go and put my slip, take these shoes off, go and put my slippers on. I'm in a different mode, right? This is like kind of Sabbath night. We do like usually take away food on a Friday night because Rachel needs a break as well, and I'm not a very good cook. And between, you know, let's do something that doesn't take work, right? Let's like kind of treat ourselves or whatever it might be. Then I, I, I've got into doing the pro work with the guys on the Friday night most weeks, which I love, and that, that feels like part of that. In the summer, I, like, I usually light my fire pit sit outside on a Friday night, can't, can't, can't wait for that kind of time, just maybe alone <laughs> with the fire pit, right? And then at the moment, we don't have like loads of sports to run out to on Saturdays and stuff like that, so it's great. So I wake up, we usually have a lazy Saturday morning and pour like a long, hot, nice coffee. Um, we make pancakes together, and, um, and I, I pray a kind of Sabbath prayer, which is the Lectio one, which is brilliant, that comes up every week. And then I generally do something like I like I don't do it every week, but I quite like getting getting becoming my dad. Quite like washing the cars, you know. So um, I'll do things like that. Just take my time and do that, or watch a bit of football if it's on, which I didn't put up there, which you should have. Um, watch a bit of football if it's on, or we'll do a little family trip. And in all of this, I'm trying to what I said earlier, notice beauty stored up, right? So I'm just being, trying to be super practical, right? Yours might look like something different than that. This might be your Sabbath today. I think it's great if it is your Sabbath, by the way, that you choose as a family to be here and be in, be in church together. I think Jesus did that. I think that's really, really good. But I would love you guys to think about this as well. What are the practices of self-care that you need? And so that, that's, just a, that's just Sabbath, okay? That's, which is the main part of what I'm talking about. But if I could just... Um, that's the Sabbath prayer on that day. But if I was to go, go into my, my quadrant, um, there, there's, there's what I try to do as sort of every day, if that's the way to put it. That's my everyday life. Try to Sabbath weekly, which I've just showed you. I, I just need a little bit of action, even if it's just going for a walk. That really helps me to stay kind of sane. <laughs> I'm aiming. I'm a night owl, right? I can't get into bed, right? So sorry if you get texting me at midnight and all like that. I'm trying to like not do that anymore to people because I know that other people like actually go to bed at a proper hour. So I'm, I'm trying to pull it back. I'm trying to get into bed for a lap because I'm realizing I'm over 40 now and it just, 
it doesn't it does, it's not brilliant when you're not getting good sleep and I've learned to appreciate that more so I am aiming for an 11:30 um you can ask me how that's going okay but at least get into bed right and um and I, we love I, I like one of the values that we have just learned is a value we lo- love just get, getting away so having a, like a week or so in the summer and a week or so at Christmas is just an important kind of rhythm that helps me and us as a family. That's different for different people. And, you know, whatever works for you, for some people it's caravans, for some people it's sun, for some people it's a walk on the beach, for some people it's camping, whatever it may be. Do, do, do something, I think, that gets you out and away because it's like your annual sort of Sabbath. And then I, I like to read and watch something stimulating that helps me rest believe it or not for other people it may be like you know that's just feels like work which is fine and then when it comes to rest there's just overlaps with the other quadrants so like spending time alone with God is important for like rest and emotional spiritual health and hanging out with friends which would have been in the in the other quadrants as well so basically what what I want to do here this morning is um, I want you to think about your rest quadrant but I want you and I'm just going to explain this and then I'm going to give you like literally three or four minutes before we close up. It's just come half ten, and we want to be finished at 25-2. Well, what we have and what the Keith and the guys, I think, are going to give out is, so we've been giving you out little little forms of our quadrant, little, um, so, yeah, so that, that's my, my completed quadrant. So we've been giving you out little, little white sheets of that. What we've kind of done now for um, to finish is we've got these kind of really nice cards printed out, and... Um, we, we want this to be like almost like a final version for you so that hopefully you've been like learning and doodling and taking notes on your phone or writing things down as we went through the four quadrants. What, we're, what we'd love you to think about, you don't need to do this on this card now. You can take it away. You can just reflect a little bit on what we've talked about this morning. Here's what we'd love to do. Over the next week, we'd love you to take this away, pray, reflect on the last four weeks, What's God's been speaking to you about? What's the Holy Spirit been putting his, just his finger upon in your life? And we'd love you to kind of do a, a final version of the life rhythms that you can keep in your Bible, or keep beside your bedside, stick on your fridge, whatever you might want to do, just to keep it, uh, keep it accountable, something that you can go back to as a kind of learning process seal for all that we've done over the last month, Okay. What we have been very clear that we wanted to say is this is not this is not a teaching series where we're telling you what to do. It's anything but that. It's simply a gentle kind of provocation of here's some of the things that we think Jesus lived by. We would encourage you to think about this and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you individually about what those rhythms look like for you. What I've done on this is I've just we've just suggested that these are things that we think you probably sh- should put in, and more than that, it's more things that we're kind of committed to together. So, like, we have a, a reading plan that we'd love to read through together. You don't have to do our reading plan, but if, if you'd like to, that would be great. But some kind of reading plan, I think, to be in the Word. We've got corporate prayer. We've got things like life groups. We obviously want to commit to being, being together on Sundays and other times as well. And, <clears throat> and then, basically, what I'm trying to show you is we'd love you to fill that in for what that looks like for you, okay? And so take, a, take just three or four minutes and just reflect on this a little bit and... Um, if you want to talk to the person beside your spouse or the per- person that's with you today, if, if you think this has been helpful or what God's been speaking to you about, just take a few moments and then I'm going to pray. And then this hopefully will you know, be something you can take away. And, and we'd love you to come back. Next Sunday, we're going to come back together. We're going to have communion together next week. 
And just in our own ways and in our own expression, we want to commit ourselves to God for the coming year. Not, not as some kind of big legalistic kind of thing that we're all feeling like heavy about, but something that we're going to inspire us, hopefully, to live more for Jesus and like Jesus in the year ahead. All right?